Just before we start the show, I'd like to apologise for the problems we had with uh, a little bit of the audio uh, throughout the episode. I hope it doesn't uh, distract too much. Thanks very much. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the Rock Band Podcast. I, as always, am your host, Mr. Cheese, and today we are truly thrilled to be joined by the one and only Ken Jay of the awesome Static X. Welcome, Ken, to the show. Thank you for having me. Uh, we're honored and humbled that people still listen to this band after all this time, so the thrill is mine. Well, thank you very much. And uh, as I mentioned just before we uh, came on air, we don't really ask um, many questions at all that are particularly music-related. But if there is anybody who's listening to the podcast, because for some reason we do suddenly have a lot of fans who just seem to be listening to uh, this. So if if they don't know of Static X, uh, can you just kind of give us a, a kind of a potted history of the band and of yourself? Sure. Um, my time... Wayne and my time actually started in 1988, uh, the fall of 1988. Yes, I'm that old. Um, we moved to Los Angeles in 1994. We met uh, Tony and Koichi out there. And um, uh, Koichi actually left the band for a little bit after... Not even the first year. We we kind of we were in a state of flux. We didn't know what we were doing. We were trying new things, but we hadn't added programming or the dance element to the band yet. Yep. And um, then that started roughly in that time after uh, Koichi left. We were a three piece. We started adding those elements. Um, the band started getting some popularity. So we begged Koichi to come back into the band <laughs> and he, uh, you know, he did keys and even more programming. And uh, we were signed in the spring of 1998, uh, recorded an album called Wisconsin Death Trip. Yep. Uh, fairly close to that time, it was released in uh, spring, early summer of 1999 has gone platinum, and we did OzFest 99 with the original lineup of Black Sabbath, OzFest 2000, cool. as a main stage headliner. And 20 years later, um, reforming after our singer died in 2014, yep. um, the band had broken up in 2010. I had I had left in 2003, um, but the original lineup is back together, minus our lead singer. The reasons for getting back together was the 20th anniversary of, of Wisconsin Death Trip yep, and a memorial for our lead singer, Wayne Static, Wayne yep. Static Wells, and uh, here we are. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, again, thank you so much for coming on the show. As I mentioned, uh, the the questions tend to go um, all over, but we were having a good chat, hence why we, we decided to hit record, because I think we would have just chatted all day. So, as I say... And, and, and I think we're still going to. <laughs> I, I think it could well be. Um, well, these questions do open up all kinds of things. So, the first question we have is, what was the last photo you took? Me personally, or one taken of me? <laughs> uh, one, ideally, one you took. One I took. Um, probably, hey, phone is right here. Let me take got a, the last photo I took was of a, a screenshot of a recording session. I was doing, uh, I was doing drum programming for a friend's band, and um, I overloaded my system. I had too many tracks going, and I wanted to save the screenshot and and just make sure that I wasn't going to click on anything correctly. <laughs> That's pretty cool. <laughs> that actually is pretty cool because we've had we've had some bizarre well, I think the the last we obviously we ask different questions every time. Last time and I can't remember I 
this is terrible. I should know who it was, but it, I know it was somebody from a, a huge band. And he said the last picture he'd taken was of a Hoover that had just been delivered by Amazon because the box was so appallingly dis, uh, sort of damaged that he wanted to take a picture of it. So that just shows you that's. Uh, <laughs> so at least yeah, you're. It's- it's usually, you know, it's it's everyday stuff, really. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's very cool. Very cool indeed. Um, so, are you a good or a bad loser? Um, I would say I'm I'm highly competitive, but I'm a I'm a I'm a good loser with certain things. I mean, there are there's some sometimes you don't have the the best days. You know, yeah, I'm not. I'm not Ricky Bobby. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm. I'm a competitive person, and, and no, you know, nobody likes to lose, but uh, there, it happens. True, that's true. Uh, on a slight tangent, are you a, a gamer? Do you uh, are you a, a video gamer at all? No, no, not really. I and this started. Um, I was a bit, uh, you know, I was born in the 60s, so, uh, you know, I grew up at a time of, of actual video game arcades yep. and, you know, big standalone machines. Love that stuff. Absolutely love that stuff. If I could find, if I could find an Omega race or a um, original Tron app or something, I'd probably be more of a gamer. Right. Um and and I'm certainly not opposed to it. It's, it, it's fun, but I'm I'm a fairly avid reader. Um, so that and gaming kind of interrupts that. Every once in a while, I'll get on. I'll play. Oh, I went through Tetris for a while, where I would almost say I was addicted to that. <laughs> um, and and I've tried things, and and I certainly like them. And you know, speaking from a a band standpoint, you know, gaming has been absolutely wonderful for our career. Yeah. But, yeah. um, yeah, not really, not really a gamer. Tony's the one you would need to talk to that, uh, talk to about that. He's really into it. Right. Um, yeah, I have, I have no opposition to it, but I'm also, I think the thing that flipped on me was, um, I had like a, a motorcycle racing game and I really enjoyed it. Um, but then I actually went and bought a motorcycle, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, so in, in, it's a totally different sensation. So. Yeah. 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 I, yeah. I'm funnily enough, cause I was looking, we, we were born, uh, basically a year apart. I was 67. Um, I was mm. born. So uh, I, I know what you mean. My, my kind of first intro, um, was, like the local pizza place had a um, had a, like a Pac Man, and as you say, and, and back in those days, your 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 game arcades were genuine, just stacked full of you know sort of all of the yeah, well, as you tr- say, Tron Tron was one I loved. That was that thing where you had to do the the, the little motorbike thing with the uh, trying to box box the well box the AI motorbike in, wasn't it? Oh, so great! <laughs> it was. It was. <laughs> so great. <laughs> Well, and, and, you know, think about that from pizza place. And the odd thing about video gaming at that time was uh, uh, when they were in arcades, it was kind of, you got dressed up to do it. It was, yeah. you mm-hmm. met girls. I mean, <laughs> yes. it, it was kind of a weird social socialization thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I... I, I tended to like that a little bit better than, you know, getting online and, and I totally get it and do it. it. It's certainly a great way for socialization uh, during the current time that we live in yeah. where we've kind of been isolated from each other, but going back to pizza places and arcades is just such a cool program. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you, you mentioned that you're more of a, an avid reader. What's, um, what's, what's the last book that you read? The last book. Um, well, I'm actually rereading a, a book called, uh, black noon. Um, Oh, I can't remember the, the writer's name, but it's about the 1964 Indianapolis 500. 
Oh, really? Yeah. Um, which was, uh, I'm a big auto racing fan. Um, more, uh, I'm, I grew up and live about an hour and a half away from Indianapolis. Right. So, you know, that's what started it. But, um, you know, also I'm an Indian, Indy, Formula One, European sports car racing. I, I, that's, I love that stuff. I'm a huge fan of, of uh, prototype racing and, and the like. NAS, NASCAR is on the list, but I, I most, mostly watch, oh, the super speedways. And th- there's a couple of, you know, being a Midwestern kids, we kind of grew up on dirt track racing and stuff. And, and I do love that. And, um, yeah, huge, huge racing fan. Um, one of my big dreams is to actually go to, uh, you know, the Goodwood Festival of Speed. Oh, just yeah, to, yeah. Oh, to see some of those historic machines. It's just, yeah. oh, well, and I, and I, I, I tend to go down YouTube uh, wormholes where I just watch those videos to hear those cars run. So we we can we can properly properly nerd out here for a couple of minutes because this this is one of those conversations that I would rarely get to have with with anybody. If I start talking about this to my wife, she just gets a rickety chair and a piece of rope. So uh, <laughs> um, could the, be, it could be why I'm not married. Yeah, it could be. Um, <laughs> and, and this is a really bizarre thing to say, but um, the the difference in in pit stops between NASCAR and F1 is staggering. Yeah. Um, well, I, and it's kind of, you know, there's such a trade-off between uh, downforce from Formula One to physical weight of the cars, you know, which probably weigh, I think the, I think it's three times yep. NASCAR weighs as much as a Formula One car. Yeah. But the forces are the same on tires or actually probably more strenuous on a formula one card just because you know mechanical grip the the downforce applied especially to the sidewalls of those tires is just it's it's staggering yeah the amount of downforce that's generated to those on formula one card that being said um you know there's something i i cannot I, I grew up, uh, both of my grandfathers were involved in, you know, the American auto industry. Uh, one was a Ford mechanic for 40 years, and my father is an excellent mechanic. More, you know, more of the old school stuff, pre-computer. But, um, and my dad just straight up does not understand me with laptops and scanners and going through fault codes, you know. yeah. But um, that being said, you know, the, the technological aspect, there's something to be said for seeing 43 cars on a two-mile track or a two-and-a-half-mile track. Yep. While it is, you know, going, they, they don't have the braking and cornering characteristics of a Formula One car. I, you know, seeing Daytona and Talladega, and and I, I have to say, hearing that noise of you know American V8s is just it's all overwhelming. And then you know Formula One engines that are cranking nineteen thousand RPM, just that's staggering technology. So yeah, I love it, and I love the romantic aspect. The amazing thing. Did you happen to see? It would have been. It wasn't. It wasn't the weekend just gone. The weekend before, did you happen to see the um, F one? It was the um, the first of the two UK um, Grand Prix. Yeah, where they they were. Um, everybody was losing Pirellis on the last lap. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Lewis Hamilton finished his last lap was what twenty seconds longer because he was finishing on three tires. <laughs> well, and and that's the thing. It's it's not. You know, I I have a huge appreciation for Lewis Hamilton, but, you know, being primarily an IndyCar fan, um, 
it, I run into the same thing. Like you get a little tired of seeing the same guy win all the time. Yeah, yeah. And uh, who was coming up? Verstappen was in Max second because yep. both. Yeah, and so I was watching the you know the gap close between first Verstappen and Hamilton that last lap and a half was once Botas lost the tires and Hamilton slowed a little. Yeah. Um, that being said, he was still running a fairly quick speed on three tires. Yeah, I think at one <laughs> three I know. I think they said at one point he was still topping 160 miles an hour on three three wheels, which which isn't bad. You know, I believe the old uh, David Hobbs saying would be, "Oh, he's got huge attachments." <laughs> yes, <laughs> definitely, <laughs> definitely. Yeah. Um, Negative thoughts suck. I mean, that's the whole reason I created Cope Notes in the first place, to train your brain to think healthier ones. With just one text a day, you can learn to combat stress, loneliness, anxiety, depression, and more. Cope Notes combines peer support, digital journaling, and positive psychology to improve mental and emotional health. We've already helped thousands of people in almost a hundred countries around the world start living a happier, healthier life. And now we want to help you. To try Cope Notes for yourself or share it with a friend, visit www.copenotes.com. In case you missed it, that's www.copenotes.com. Anyway, let's get back to the show. So again, going off on a complete tangent, uh, do you believe? <laughs> do you believe in reincarnation? Uh, no, no, no. Um, I, I, and but I, I do believe we are all old souls. It's it's kind of a, a strange thing in that extent, but I I believe that that's what explains deja vu, but not reincarnation. However. If I was reincarnated, I would want to be a bird of prey. <laughs> Just, I mean, come on, a peregrine falcon? Yeah. That'd be pretty cool. Yes, I agree. It's funny because um, we we moved a couple of years ago um, to kind of middle of nowhere, and obviously being in, in the UK, we you know we, we have a certain amount of uh, birds of prey, but they're not not what you'd call i mean you've got things like kestrels that are kind of small birds of prey but they're not that prevalent but it just happens to be where we've moved into in the woods there's a, a nest of um of uh, three buzzards and for, for here that's quite a rare sight and oh it's it is just wonderful just to see them hovering on the thermals and just hear them it's uh it's it's crazy birds of prey are um they take care of business when a lot of animals won't. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> they, yeah. they keep they clean up a lot of stuff that animals want. Yes, yes, indeed. Um, and just to to really see one to really see them in action is and it's kind of strange. Um cardinals and blue jays will actually chase if if a hawk does not want to eat, if it's not hunting. They just kind of sit around and don't want to be bothered. Right. Um, so smaller birds will will actually chase them off. Owls are, are like that too. But um, if they are hunting, it's almost like the other birds. And you'll see, you'll if they're not hunting, the the bird of prey will be sitting on a telephone pole or a wire or something. Yeah. And the other birds will be circling and they'll chase them off. If if they're on a hunt, the other birds instinctively know and will actually sit around, oh, you know, 30 to 50 feet away, and but they won't fly. Huh. And they'll just, they'll just watch the bird of prey. It's, a, it's the funniest thing. Oh, wow. It's, uh, yeah, at, at least from what I know, notice oh. on it. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. So you're, you you clearly you clearly have a kind of a, a, a wide ranging uh, knowledge um, of, of various things by the sound of things. So I've got a question that isn't actually I hadn't put it out for today, um, but it, it, it may lead to something. Um, has there ever been something that you've been 
like completely sure of for a long time, and then you just found out you were completely wrong? Well, I'm, I mean, I'm human, so I'm wrong all the time. That's kind of. <laughs> <laughs> I I would tell you one thing when you're younger, and this a, applies to the reason you're talking to me. I think when you're younger, you believe that. Uh, at least to an extent, and and some of it's media driven, but some of it, which I would say, a majority of it isn't. Is you believe that fame is going to validate you in some way? Yeah. Um, and, and it it really doesn't. Yeah. I w- I would say that that would be the thing. Um. Uh. And the thing about that is, you know, it's. You you get into to music for various reasons, and and you at least with us, I, you know, I got to a point where I couldn't understand why we were at our most successful, and and I I wasn't miserable. I, I mean, I love playing shows and um and everything, but it was also I think because of my age at the time, you know, I would have been around, oh, 36, 35, 36. That was when I started wondering, you know, what happens after this? Yeah, yeah. Um, because, you know, the reality uh, at that time was, and, and it is like this now, is it really could end at any minute. Mm-hmm. Um, so I... I the odd thing was, was while my time, my initial time with the band was nearing an end, you know, it was a, a great search for what was after, um, a search for balance. Um, and I enjoyed playing shows, but then off tour, I got to a point where, you know, um, it, I, it just was a, a search for some kind of peace. Yeah. Um, and, and I got to a point where, you know, roughly at that time I'd been playing every day for about 15 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was my choice. I mean, I, I had, I kind of drove that way from the aspect of, you know, rehearse, 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 and we're going to have this down. And, um, after I left in 2003, I, I put down the drumsticks for, you know, couple of years yeah um and that was you know the just a, a search for peace and balance and and realizing that all that thinking you know whether it was conscious or unconscious all that thinking that fame was going to validate me was was wrong yeah and uh, and a huge mistake yeah yeah. I, Again, that being said being a competitive person yeah you it's there's nothing like it playing to a crowd you know yeah yeah no i i, I get that um i i funnily enough one of my little not mantras i'm not i'm not kind of what you call per se a um uh, a, a spiritual person as such but i have always lived by the kind of adage that i would rather be loved by sort of somebody who genuinely knows me and loves me for who I am than being, you know, sort of loved by millions of people if I had to pretend to be something I wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, um, well, and you know, the, the, the thing about doing the memorial tour and the way that we did it was we didn't put it out there from the standpoint of come along on our group therapy tour. <laughs> but, you know, we all, I, I would, I would be mistaken if I told you that that wasn't a reason we did it. I think that that the first time Koichi and Tony and I talked to each other, we had been in contact uh, prior to Wayne's death. Yep. Mostly just we missed each other. We wanted to check up on each other, mm-hmm. make sure everybody was okay. Yep. But we missed we missed Wayne, you know. Um but you know, 
we hadn't talked about the band, but then the first time we saw each other face to face and, and just started talking a little bit, um, uh, any doubts about the reasons for doing it um, were dismissed. And by that, I mean, you know, whether somebody thinks it was, you know, it was out there that people thought it was a cash grab. And, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. Really wasn't. We, it was a way to come back in contact with each other to mourn our friend that was lost mm-hmm. and, and to really remind people that he was a real person. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, and, and it, yeah, I mean, we were out there in front of quite a few people and, and it was amazing and overwhelming and everything, but that, you know, there were, it was highly charged yeah, emotionally yeah. and, and we got to work some things out, some, just to come back together, uh, you know, you know, with the, those four original guys are, are families yeah. to each other and, of course, yeah. and even though we're from different parts of the country and you know koichi's case the world yep um we knew if you know got to meet a couple of his family members yeah and so it is these guys you know tony was tony had just turned 21 when when i met him, yeah I believe. so um yeah it you know it it became it was a little bit like traveling group therapy, but the therapy, but the 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 you know, it, it just it, the being famous wasn't important. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. I know that sounds weird. No, I know what you're saying. Yeah, but but it's kind of what you said. And and oddly enough, throughout that, I mean, we all, you know, we discovered how much we. Uh, loved each other and missed each yep. other and just how much fun it is. We sometimes will be in the same room and we don't talk a lot, but we're extremely comfortable. Yeah. With each other. Yeah. Yeah. And that's like a, a family thing. That was the important thing about the, the two. Yeah. No, very cool. Very cool. Indeed. Uh, I can't possibly transition transition into this next question, so I'll just ask it. Um, no, don't. Yeah, yeah <laughs> don't I'm not, I'm, no, I'm not, I'm not going to try and come up with spurious uh, links. Um, where do you get your news? Well, mostly from Racer Magazine. I read the uh, Formula One Twitter feed and the Indicurs. <laughs> I I am so uh, tired of the news right now. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that uh, I think that it would serve everybody a little bit better, better, um, probably to not pay attention to it <laughs> yeah, so much. Yeah, it is. Plus, uh, I I don't believe in confirmation bias, which is you know, unfortunately, because in in the days of social media, like we are, we we tend to view news from the lens of you know, do I agree with this? Am I going to watch this? Yeah. Because I agree with it. So, I, 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 yeah, I, I, I have not watched, um, what you would call news, news yeah. in a while. Um, I do listen to the radio a little bit, but it, it's mostly, you got to remember, it's the news is driven, if, if the news came out every day and people are like, you know what, uh, people are content and happy, and uh, and yeah, we've got some issues, but you know, for the most part, people are trying, they're helping each other, and they're doing well. Nobody would watch it. <laughs> no. But no. if but if the news comes out and they're like, you know, the mask continues on, and people are beating up each other over mask and social distancing, well. That's clicks. I mean, and that's the world we live in. And, yeah. Yeah. It's no. It's it, that's very true. And I mean, this they um there's there's one uh, one newspaper here in the UK called uh, called the Sun, and um, sort of papers like that, and also the Mirror. Um, exactly what you, you you were you were talking about there, and, and they kind of blame they blame the newspapers, but 
But specifically for newspapers, I think, yeah, but there's kind of millions of people buying those newspapers, you know, and, yep. and, and it does it does kind of make you question, which gets into a huge kind of ethical conversation, but it does kind of make you wonder how much the media is responsible and how much people are responsible, because if you simply stopped taking the news would they then have to address it and say well we looked at last night's viewing figures and it was two people that are still watching us you wonder at what point because you are absolutely right I mean, if you watch a typical newscast it's less the adverts it's 29 minutes of death destruction doom riots and then it's uh some little kid that's given a bouquet to an amazon story yeah. you know to an amazon driver just to you know that's your little good luck we're all thinking of you you know <laughs> so as you say it's kind of uh, you know it is yeah i i i can completely understand what yeah. you're saying well I completely and understand I, I am very aware of what's going on i i do read yeah but i also in you know and i think you understand this you know you get to an age and, and i i wouldn't tell you any specific age but you you certainly I would, I would tell you probably past 35, 40 years old, if I was to pick an area, and, and uh, you just to get to a point with it. Well, and, and the thing is, is, you know, where that's, um, that's what drives media. I mean, you know, it's nobody's ever going to make a movie called Happy Guy. <laughs> no. But if they make a movie called Killer Bob, and a movie called Happy Guy. Guess what movie people are going to see? <laughs> you know, it's. it's I, I think, in a sense, we we see that, and it, maybe some of it's Schadenfreude. You know, I don't know. Yeah. Well, I'm, you know, I may not be perfect, but look at how yeah. crappy that but guy is. I, I, can, I don't know. Uh... I, I can absolutely guarantee you, though, if, if they ever make um, Killer Bob and then they make Happy Guy, I, I really do want to see the follow-up of, of uh, Killer Bob meets Happy Guy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not certain it ends and well, you, but I definitely want to see it. <laughs> uh, certainly a, a Killer Bob, Happy Guy boxing movie would, would do extremely <laughs> well. I think. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I think that that's... <laughs> You know, you know, certainly, I don't know, you know, people, a lot of people, if there was no news, but every, the world was still at it is, as it is, um, if there was a car crash, you better believe traffic would slow down so people could work. Yeah. I, I think yeah. that that's, in a sense, it's human nature. It's, oh my gosh, you know, I had a crap day, but that guy's day is worse. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, yeah. I, I I don't know. Now I'm starting to think, I, you know, nice, I could need to find a psychological study on this. <laughs> um, so again, uh, completely different track, but uh, is there anything that you really enjoy doing, but you're not terribly good at it? Um, you know, probably playing piano. I, I really, you know, like to uh, sit down at a piano and, hunt and peck and find weird chords and everything. I wouldn't say I'm particularly good at it, but uh, it's a fairly useful writing tool for me. I would also say um, uh, home recording. Actually, it's, I, am, I, I have all these great ideas in my head and, and ideas for new songs and stuff, but my issue is I am a Awful engineer. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> and I, I hate to admit that, but it's kind of the truth. I've, I'm in a sense, I miss um, faders and sliders, you know, consoles, yeah. that stuff mm -hmm. I could do. Mm -hmm. But it, it's not just that, you know, it's just, um, uh, but, and, and the thing is, is I can produce, but, um, yeah, the engineering thing is just a drag sometimes. <laughs> That's that is again. Although we don't, we always kind of steer away to a degree uh, with, with music on that. That's actually a fascinating thing because I, I think a lot of people would would 
just naturally assume that if you if you're a musician you you would be able to produce and engineer but i i've always noticed that one of the one of the greatest um uh, golf um, coaches i think I think his name might be David Ledbetter, and uh, he's taught you know a lot of people how to play golf. And I've always thought, well, if you teach someone how to play golf and they go on to be you know to win the Masters, why have you not won the Masters yourself? You know, you uh, you know, there's an old uh, adage. I don't know uh, if it applies, but the and this isn't. It's not necessarily true, but but it, it's always said jokingly is those who can't do teach um you know i actually uh after my time in static x one of the things that got me back into playing and helped me rediscover my own joy at playing drums after putting the sticks down for a couple of years was and i i didn't move away from music i didn't listen to anything but it kind of taught myself how to write on a computer at that time and, you know, get more involved in, in programming and right, yeah, yeah. composing full songs on my own. But what started this journey back to the physical playing aspect to, to static X was I taught drums for over a decade. Right. And, and it, it started as, it wasn't just picking up the sticks again. It was, um, I was asked by a friend to teach her autistic son drums. Oh, wow. And he was, he was high functioning, but you know, drumming and drumming is very therapeutical for yeah. autistic and Asperger's uh, kids. And, um, but it's, there's kind of a weird dichotomy in it. One night, uh, he came in and I had polished my cymbals. Well, the the lights shining off the cymbals were too bright in that, if, you know, one of the way um, that his autism uh, manifested itself was he was he was light and sound sensitive. Right. You know? And it, it just depends on on that particular day. Um, yeah. That being said, fantastic student. Uh, I couldn't teach him notes per se, but because he, that just was like looking at a foreign language to him. Yep. And he also could not grasp right and left, but he was like a human compass. I mean, he could tell you which geographical location he was facing. So instead I faced him North and I would write things you know, drum patterns out in East and West. Oh, wow. And that he understood. So just the challenge like that was the, the thing that got me back into drumming. Yeah. You know, and, and helped me rediscover my love for it. Well, that's amazing. That's, that's, that's a wonderful story. Um, so obviously you you sound like again um you, you sound well read from from the the various things we've already talked about is is there anything um is there anything that that you have i mean there's going to be a lot of things you don't know but is there anything that you haven't kind of learned about yet that you would like to learn is it something you you think one day i would like to take to you know take the time to learn about a specific subject again uh engineering yeah yeah when i'm I'm actually recording um probably um you know i'm i'm just uh probably more world war one oh okay yeah yeah i um i'm fascinated by that um and world war two uh my grandmother on um well my grandmother on my mom's side was a teacher for 30 years, my, and, and my grand, all four of my grandparents, and actually a couple of my grandparents, great grandparents were alive when I was born. And I had them, I think the oldest one I had until I was a sophomore in high school. So, you know, they had been born prior to world war one and went through the, the depression and uh, world war two. And I mean, it, they were just such fascinating people to talk to. Mm-hmm. Um, for a young kid, yeah, and you know that was prior to 
cell phones and internet and everything. So you had books and you had speaking to each other. So, <laughs> yeah. um, and I come from a big, close family. So, um, yeah, I will do and, and not necessarily the war in itself. You know, I know that and I know what it meant statistically to the world and everything, but you know, what American life was during World War One is fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that, that, that's interesting because, um, uh, I was, uh, I was out, uh, my wife and I were out in, uh, in Thailand on, on holiday and I will be the first person to admit we, 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 it was, I said it was a holiday. It was it was kind of a work holiday, and we were doing some doing some research, and um, we were taken up to the um, bridge over the River Kwai, and I would be the first person to say I had zero interest in it. I, it was just one of those things. They said, "Well, we're going to go and do this." It was we didn't have that much of a choice about it. And we thought, "Okay, well, we, we've got to do this, so we'll go and do it." And they said, on the way up there, we're going to kind of stop at the cemeteries and, you know, see all the graves and you'll get a bit of a backstory and stuff. And again, it was 100% just going through the emotions because it just was not something that ever really interested me. And when we got up there, um, we went around the cemeteries and stuff. My wife and I were both in floods of tears because it was just one of those things that just suddenly hit you. It was uh, a combination of um, almost all of the gravestones were marked um, either Norfolk or Suffolk kind of regiments, which is where we were from. Mm-hmm. But you saw all of these with the ages were all 17, 18, 19 year olds. And yeah. it was just like, wow. And then you kind of saw, you know, how to, to make this, I guess they referred to it as the death railway. You kind of saw that they were literally digging the side of a mountain out by hand, you know, and, um, mm-hmm. you know, and it was just like, wow, <laughs> you know, you, you kind of saw that for yourself and it was like, you know, it really was quite something, even though there was, you know, it certainly changed my attitude completely, you know, and uh, um, so, uh, yeah, I, I, I can certainly, I can certainly understand the interest. It's, I mean, think of the massive, you know, so much we do now, and I, I, I'll put it this way. I have friends that are farmers, um, including a, a couple of guys I was in bands with when I was a teenager. Yep. And these guys, you know, they were like me. They wanted to become rock stars, but, you know, they they also worked on the family farm. And, um, and the technology that they have is absolutely incredible. What, what combines do now are, you know, they're runoff GPS. These guys yeah. go up in these expensive machines and... And essentially, it's a harvesting iPhone. You know, I mean, they're just yeah. incredible. But, you know, my grandfathers and great-grandfathers who uh, farmed and, and, and actually the, my grandfather, who was the, the Ford mechanic, my grandfather on my dad's side, he was also a, a brick mason. He, he did construction, but he was a brick mason. And, oh, wow. and uh, so the stuff he did, he when my dad was a kid, my grandfather, you know, houses at that time were all built ground level. Mm-hmm. Yep. And there were no basements. And, and then in the 40s and 50s, you know, post-World War II, um, the American economy was booming. So... You know, people needed more room for storage. Plus, I'm in the Midwest, which can get fairly bad. You know, we get tornadoes and yeah, fairly yep. bad thunderstorms. Yep. So, um, my grandfather decided to uh, put a basement in his house. Yep. And so, he, he raised it three feet. And he <laughs> did it by shoveling out underneath the house and shoveling. And my dad was too young. He did this over Fourth of July weekend here, so it was basically a three-day weekend. Right. And he raised each house jack a quarter of a turn. Yeah. For three feet, and he so he had to crawl crawl around to each of these house jacks to do this, <laughs> and then he poured a concrete basement. Yeah. In a weekend. So 
I mean, it was probably more than a weekend, you know, but still, yeah, I mean, he raised the house in a weekend. And it out yeah. yeah. And, you know, now they do that, you know, I mean, it's, it's crazy technology, how far technology has come in, in really such a short period of time. Well, the engineering you're talking about and, the, and how they, you know, just everything, building interstates and roads and stuff like, you know, during the, the, era of world war one is just such a huge age undertaking of course you know nobody really had cars like them. but i think that's why that fascinates me yeah yeah yes definitely uh so we have three final questions for you um is there any song that uh, and this could be any genre any it's not not necessarily related to 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 your music particularly but is there any song that if you hear you just have to end up singing it um Oh, there's a there's a lot of those, a <laughs> right. uh, lot of rock songs. But the you know, um, I would also say Finlandia. Uh, I I don't know the words that well, but also it's it's be still my soul. Uh, okay. Yeah, that seems like one of the most beautiful pieces of music ever written. Yeah, um, yeah, beautiful song. Mm. Um, I I would. There's there are pieces of classical music that freeze me in my tracks, and I have to listen to them. Yeah, uh, rock songs, you know, rock songs. There's there are tons of them. <laughs> I would tell you probably uh, any. You know, I hear I don't know the words that well, but like Cheap Trick to me, <laughs> I just love that band. And and for all of you in the UK, I'm, I'm a huge fan of sweet oh really um yeah i love the sweet to me is just one of the greatest rock bands in history yeah those you know love is like oxygen was really the last thing for me but that being said just (laughs) the sweeter because it's fun it is yeah well that i mean that um love is like oxygen that 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 bass line is just fantastic isn't it Ah. Exactly. Well, and, and you know, uh, for people that don't understand or view them just as um, ballroom blitz or yeah, a, yeah. a bubblegum band, yeah. you kind of need, there. there's some footage on YouTube, I think they're playing Music Laden, which was a, a what, a German TV show? Yeah. Early 70s. And it's, it's live. <laughs> and the things... The amount of things that that four-piece band could do are yeah, just yeah. astonishing. Yes, yes, indeed. Yeah, yeah. As you say, they're they're, they're definitely. I know it sounds a, a, a weird thing to say, but they're definitely a very underrated band. Yeah, yeah. I th- I think so, and and well, and I think that I because they had the well, you know, a, a lot of lamb stuff is dismissed. Which is so weird because, you know, David Bowie's glam stuff is just utterly fantastic. Yep. I mean, and it's, yep. it's really got a lot more depth to it than people uh, ascribe to it. Yep. Um, I, I think probably because when people hear glam, they only think of the 80s. And yeah, yeah, poison and bands like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But the, I mean, the amazing thing is, is, you know, being a drummer is, I would tell anybody, you, you want to see a great drummer, watch Ricky Rocket play. Yeah, well, yeah, that, that's, yes, yeah, yeah. Does great drum solos. I mean, he's really, you know, he's fantastic. And those, uh, it, it's how, look, you know, we get thrown into the new metal thing. and A lot of new metal bands do this. Yeah. And the reality is, you know, everybody's got their times. Yeah. You yeah. know? Yeah. Uh, so yeah absolutely study enjoy the music quit worrying about what title it has oh i know i know the the, the one the funnily enough that the two bands i always say for me with uh, with regards to that both they're both modern bands but steel panther the number of people who who say you know they're not they're not a serious band and blah 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 but i mean they are such a ridiculous 
ridiculously tight. I know they have this kind of this whole shtick of, of you know, the, the lyrics and, and the, the onstage antics and stuff. But I tell you what, they are as good as any band actually, you know, performing. Um, and there's not, absolutely. Uh, and the other band for me um, is um, uh, is Sabaton. Um, and funnily enough, I I, um, I I manage a couple of bands, and um, we were at Bloodstock, uh, I think about three years ago. And I didn't know of Sabaton at the time, and um, and they they were kind of uh, they they were headlining. So you know we'd obviously kind of stuck around, and 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 somebody said to me, they said, "Oh, you know these guys, they they're, they're kind of a joke, and you know they just or every song is about war and blah 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 and stuff." And again, I didn't move. I just stood and watched them and was completely mesmerized. And I came home and one of the first things I did was went straight onto YouTube and stuck one of their shows on. (laughs) And again, it was just, they were so unbelievably tight. And I mean, I'm guessing what they got a hundred thousand people in front of them and not a single person took their eyes off that stage for an hour and a half hour and 45 minutes and I thought well you can say they're not a serious band but you know I'd like to see a a band who are more serious just because they they go about it a certain way at the end of the day they are massively entertaining a huge crowd and that's what it's all about at the end of the day absolutely I I uh what got me in to, to Sabaton was I had a drum student who was he was he was really advanced. He really he and 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 he came to me. He had never been in school band or anything like that. And he came to me and um you know within his first two or three weeks he was like, you know, can you teach me Megadeth? And I was like, well <laughs> I can, but do you really want to make that huge jump this early on. I mean, he, yeah, he was a good drummer, but you know, Megadeth. So, you know, I showed him peace cells because the heavy devil kick stuff doesn't really come in until the end of the song. And I thought he should know, you know, Gar Samuelson, he should know the history <laughs> yeah. of, of Megadeth, you know, yep. the history of utterly fantastic drumming. So we learned that, and then he comes, I'm like, you know, we started going through history, you know, went through the second drummer, I can't remember, I think his first name's Greg, and then uh, Menza, and all these guys. And then a few weeks later, I'm like, is there, you know, we've come through Dirk Vermeulen now, is is there something you want to learn? He's like, yeah, teach me Sabaton, teach me this song. And I'm like, okay, well, I haven't heard them, so let me go home. And I went and listened to it, and I knew the name. Yep. And I had read the stuff that people said online and then I YouTube it and I'm like, crap, I don't know if I can teach this goodness. <laughs> I mean, it's it's really amazing. Yeah. And the other the thing about Steel Panther is, you know, we were in Los Angeles, we we had had success and everything. The guys in Steel Panther were in other projects that were successful. <laughs> I think I think people dismiss Steel Panther on this standalone thing only because of image and they don't give it a chance. And then, I mean, there's a reason so many musicians show up to the shows and want to play with them. If they were a joke band, that's not going to happen. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I think, sure. Sometimes I think, Maybe they take it too far, but also for that matter, I think maybe we all take ourselves too seriously. Well, sometimes. yeah, uh, that's that. That is that is definitely true. That is definitely true. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, I can't transition into this one. Um, but what is uh, is there anything that you are um, either rationally or irrationally afraid of? Probably irrationally afraid of bees and wasps. <laughs> Um, yeah. Just because I, um, w- when I was a little kid, I got stung in between my toes, my big toe and my second toe, like yeah. right in the webbing. And it was just a honeybee, which isn't a particularly large bee. Um, but I, I was riding a bicycle and went to put my foot down. I had flip flops on, and somehow I'd gotten the 
be underneath my toes and right down and that stuff. And that really hurt. So yeah. now, I, yeah, I just, and I know, I, you know, I probably, I was young enough. I probably acted like I got shot, but <laughs> you know, it, it probably wasn't that bad in retrospect, but now here I am, you know, 40 odd years later and I see a wasp or a bee. I'm like, freeze yeah. <laughs> or run away. Yeah. No, uh, I, I, I got stung as little as two weeks ago and, uh, and I ran into the house exactly like that. Just sending my wife. I was like, I got stung. I got stung. So, uh, yeah, yeah. I, 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 <laughs> I totally. And like you said, They're I mean, act- little SOBs. <laughs> yeah. I understand their yeah. ecological importance. Yeah, I, I totally understand their ecological importance, but man, they scare me. <laughs> yep, that is fair enough. Um, so this is this is the last question, and this is the only question that is our our standard final question. Uh, when when Ken J is uh, is no longer uh, resident on this planet, uh, how would you like to be remembered? That he uh, cared for people, and that he really. He tried, failed, tried, and he would just keep trying. Well, doesn't get and 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 I I'm I'm going to add a PS. He was the best engineer by the time he finally left. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, wouldn't that be the best? I, I don't want so. anything other uh, on my gravestone. I want it just to say that I don't even want my name. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know what? Everybody's going to think that I worked on trains. <laughs> Yeah, probably, probably. Well, <laughs> you have been an absolute pleasure to have on the show. Thank you so much for coming on. Oh, no problem. It was, it was absolutely my pleasure. We need to have another one of these where we just talk about old Formula One. Jim Clark and Graham Hill and Mario uh, Andretti, all those good guys. I'll do that. Absolutely, that 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 is a deal. Well, we've we've got a, a stack a stack of other questions here, and I will go through. We'll have you back, and I will rig every single one of them so every single one of them what you can get a motor rating answer out of. <laughs> Absolutely, but you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do it all in Ricky Bobby quote. <laughs> okay. I will, all right, then we'll, we'll, we'll do a video special. <laughs> <laughs> The first year line. Uh, yeah. It's still, I mean, regardless of whether you like NASCAR or Formula One, if you don't think that movie's funny, there's something wrong with it. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, Absolutely. it is just uh, uh, being a racing. I was on the floor in the theater crying. I was laughing so hard. Again, Ken, thank you so much for your time today. And we will 100%, we will, we will do this again. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. I, and seriously, we, we as a band, we truly are amazed and humbled and overwhelmed that uh, people are coming along on this ride with us. And, and thank you for your time. We appreciate it. And everybody stay safe. Take care of each other. Thank you very much, Ken. You take care too. I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode. Um, thank you once again to Ken J of Static X for coming on uh, the podcast. Um, please feel free to check us out on Facebook or at www.rockdownpodcast.com. And of course, if you want to leave a review on uh, Apple iTunes, that does help us greatly with regards to the algorithm and where we end up in the charts, etc. Uh, as always, we will leave you with a track from our guest. This is The Only by Static X.
You're trying to 